0: Welcome to part two of Health System CIO's interview with Daniel Barchi, CIO at New York Presbyterian. In this segment, Barchi talks about what he believes has been the key to NYP's success with telemedicine, the philosophy that has enabled his team to avoid delaying projects during COVID, and the incredible impact the pandemic will have on disaster preparation going forward. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR. Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare see your whole patient visit highlandhealthcare.com
1: to learn more one of the other topics that's been really prevalent throughout this is telemedicine and we've spoken before and i know that new york presbyterian has been really at the forefront of this can you talk about how having that infrastructure in place has made an impact for the organization as we saw so much spikes in telemedicine
2: of course It's hard to ramp up quickly if you've got no experience, so the work that we did in 2015 and 16 and 17 and 18 19 really laid the groundwork for our ability to ramp up telemedicine. New York Presbyterian was already a national leader in telemedicine uh, simply through our um, NYP on demand and our emergency department, our mobile stroke units, our teleparamedicine, and all the other programs that we had. And we were doing several hundred remote uh, patient visits, essentially doctor's office visits um, every week in January and February of this year. And then when COVID hit and there was no easy, safe way to see a physician, our physician stepped up and rapidly increased the ability to do um, remote visits. So we went from several hundred visits a week to more than 24,000 visits a week just in March of this year. And um, as the ability to visit physicians in person has returned, the amount of telemedicine has dropped, but it still represents up to 30% of all of the visits and probably will going forward because there are many visits in which it's safe and efficient for physicians to see patients remotely and it's also convenient for patients. So, what we're seeing now is that telemedicine isn't a either-or tool. It's an and tool, where in many cases, it makes the most sense for a visit to be telemedicine in some cases, but in others, it makes the most sense for patients to see physicians in their practice office.
1: Right. Right. And I think that that's what we're seeing in a lot of organizations. You know, the, the numbers have gone down, obviously, from that spike, but but there are so many specialties, and especially anything involving follow-up care, there's just a huge opportunity for telehealth.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right.
1: And you mentioned 2015, and I know that New York Presbyterian really has been laying the groundwork for a while, but did it feel at some points like kind of beating the drum or really trying to drum up buy-in for something like this? Was that really something that was a bit of a challenge, or was it accepted?
2: Our primary goal at New York Presbyterian is to deliver outstanding patient care. And so we never wanted to lead with technology. We wanted technology to support physicians and however they wanted to deliver that care. So we made it available and we certainly shared the benefits, but we never pushed it as a solution. It was something that physicians who felt like it would be um, additive to their practice embraced. So we've taken that approach all along, and we had a large uptake in use as we offered each of the additional services over the past several years. And then over the past several months, it was the physicians again who were the ones who wanted to see their patients and um, embrace it.
1: Right, it makes sense. So now at this point, obviously, really, things have not uh, slowed down for you guys. But what would you say right now are are some of your key
2: priorities? Um, Key priority is, number one, continues to be the safety and delivery of outstanding care for our patients. And uh, that will remain a focus of ours. We'll continue to um, develop telemedicine tools and processes. And then uh, we're really focused on um, analytics and how data will help deliver outstanding care. We continue to use robotic process automation and artificial intelligence where it's warranted. And we're focused on continuing to integrate the care using technology across our entire system.
1: Right. Okay. And were there certain initiatives that did have to be maybe put on the back burner? Or was that something that, you, for the most part, the organization was able to avoid? We've avoided it
2: mostly because we have always been thoughtful in the way that we ramped up our services. So we don't like to pilot things. We would uh, develop them in a way that allowed us to launch them and use them. So it was never a question of saying, well, this pilot isn't going well. Let's back off on it. It was most of the things we had launched and were um, being actively used with a positive ROI. And so it was just continuing to let them flourish, but needing to give them less attention because they were already launched.
1: Right. And it seems like that's something that really speaks to having good processes in place, that there aren't projects that that aren't as important, that anything that that you're putting time into is something that does matter and does have, have to happen.
2: That's a really good point. We're thoughtful about the investment of resources. And those that we invest our time and resources in are the ones that we think will really move the dial on clinical patient care.
1: Right. And just in in general, when it comes to, to leading through difficult situations, you've talked about your experiences in the Navy and how that really helped to shape you. And this situation, though, was so unique. Is this something where you were able to draw upon Past experience, or was it just a, maybe a combination of things?
2: I'd say that all of the healthcare leaders who stepped up drew on their experience, whether they were clinicians who've worked in critical care situations, or mm-hmm. uh, administrators who've been through challenges in the past, even smaller events like hurricanes and uh, and snow events uh, or mass casualty drills, all right. contributed to the experience, and then. But normally, those events are over within a matter of days. It was that initial experience that allowed us to ramp up, and then it was the partnership and collaboration of the senior leaders of New York Presbyterian and Wild Cornell Medicine and Columbia Doctors that kept us sustained and led throughout. Right. Let me, uh, let me share one insight with you. Our CEO and chief operating officer, particularly our chief operating officer, did a video broadcast to every one of our 47,000 employees every day for well over three months. And so it was that level of communication from the top and being transparent about um, what was going well and what was a challenge and how we were spending our time and resources and keeping everybody informed. That was a real uh, hallmark of leadership through all of us.
1: Yeah, Oh, sure. And I can imagine was was really appreciated just because of the uncertainty that everybody experienced.
2: Sure, her updates were must-see TV daily.
1: Yeah, sure. Is there anything that you would have done differently or or maybe would have changed uh, just as far as reacting to everything and leading through something so unprecedented?
2: No, I'm proud that if the major initial surge happened to be anywhere in the United States, that it was in New York, in that New York Presbyterian and New York City's other hospitals stepped up and worked through this together. And we were able to share insight with our peers nationally about what to expect. So that I feel like even though we went through um, the worst of it initially, we were able to share enough clinical and operational information with our partners across the country, so that others have been able to prepare and respond when the COVID crisis surges in their area.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And in an area like New York, it's really competitive, obviously, I'll tell you, but it seems like there's really been a willingness across the board for organizations, for leaders, to put that aside and, and work together, with, which has been inspiring to see, I think.
2: Yes, um, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we were, um, were, we partnered across the city with all hospitals and shared resources and information in a way that um, looked at for our patients first and i think um, we should be proud of that
1: right and in terms of business continuity planning is that something that you have addressed or do you think will be addressed just as far as what to do or how to react if something like this happens again
2: we already had a pretty robust and mature risk management process. But even since the worst of the surge, we've been working with our governance committee and refining um, our risk management practices based on what we've learned um, to prepare, not necessarily for the exact same kind of event, but uh, to learn our lessons from the past few months and apply them to different things that might happen in the future. So it's been a good learning experience, even though it's been a challenge.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, I would say that from an outsider's perspective, it's been really great to see that the hospitals, the health systems in New York to be so resilient. Not surprising, but but it is great to see. because I could see how things were in March and uh, what the outlook looked like. And I'm sure that it is really uh, satisfying to to be able to kind of look back now at uh, what the city and what the health systems in the city were able to uh, accomplish.
2: It really is. You know, there's an article in today's New York Times saying, gosh, we've kept it low. Everybody's thinking, wow, glad we did it. And how do we continue to do so? And that's where um, I think we need to keep our focus.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time. I know you have a thousand things going on, so I really do appreciate it.
2: Of course. I always enjoy speaking with you and enjoy your work. So thanks for reaching out.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.